Monument in Chicago, Illinois, with your host, Dr. Lynn Hughes. We welcome you to live from the Pullman National Monument, our global cast magazine format talk radio show, where we discuss all things cultural economic development, i.e. tourism. And we hold informative conversations on the arts, music, business, and people. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Hughes, founder of the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porting Museum, a National Park Service site in Chicago, Illinois. Good day to you, my listening audience, and we thank you for joining us. Stay with us. Today's show is brought to you by the Pullman Messenger Magazine and Hughes-Peterson Publishing, partially underwritten by Choo Chicago, the premier tourism marketing agency in Chicago, Illinois. Visit the PullmanBorderMuseum.com where you can purchase an annual membership at the level of your choice. And, of course, visit our website here to find out more about the show live from the Pullman National Monument at bbsradio.com forward slash live from PNM to contact us. And good afternoon and welcome. Welcome to another show. We are live from the Pullman National Monument, a National Park Service site in Chicago, Illinois. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Hughes, and we're very, very happy to be with you today. Of course, you know this show is all about tourism. That is our focus. And we have established a tradition of coming on and talking about the Pullman National Monument first before we do anything. And that is because we are a new site under the National Park Service. And because the site is unique, we still have to just to keep reinforcing uh, who we are and what we do. The Pullman National Monument is a unique site, unlike most national monuments, in that we are a thematic district. And so the themes for the Pullman National Monument are labor and architectural history. And that has a few tentacles, one of which is being one of the first planned communities in America. But that is who we are and what we do. And within the National Pullman National Monument, there are several entities. And so unlike most national monuments that focus on one thing, within the monument itself, there are several sites. We're still new and building upon that, but right now, we within the Pullman National Monument, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sites. One, of course, is the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum. That site in particular is devoted to Black labor history. And, of course, that component of the Pullman history is came later, and, and so it really should be the other way around, but uh, the first site that people visit when they come to the Pullman National Monument is the National Park Visitor Center. And right now, the National Park Visitor Center is coexisting in what we refer to as the Pullman Visitor Center. And they co, they co, uh, uh, reside in the building with it. And one of the entities and one of our partners called the Historic Pullman Foundation who's probably been there longer than anybody, and their focus is the 19th century uh, history, uh, architectural history. And um, 
they focus on, of course, the architecture. And so they have the, one of the big draw for that entity is they have something called the annual Pullman House Tour. And so uh, part of the community is what people refer to as frozen in time. And so at that point, every year, there's an annual house tour where people come from all over the world uh, to the site to be able to visit and walk through the different houses and the housing types that are occupied by visitors, uh, by residents. But once a year, the visitors allow the Pullman, Historic Pullman Foundation, the opportunity to have thousands of people walk, walk through their homes and see what the interior looks like. Then there is the signature building in the Pullman National Monument that we refer to as the Pullman Factory Complex or the Clock Tower. And so that building is where uh, the trains were made uh, that were manufactured by the famous Pullman Company, Pullman Rail Car Company. And so the remnants are there and they are vigorously working on that building in hopes that by next year uh, it will be ready for occupation and visitors will have an opportunity to see it in its full regalia. Then there, of course, is the Greenstone Church. And the Greenstone Church is, was built in 1881 and it was established as a Unitarian church for, for all people who lived in Pullman that were of different uh, religious persuasions, but the, the the idea was to have one place of worship. And that was the paternal instinct of George Pullman, of course. Uh, it is famous because of the stones that it was made of. Um, I think they're green limestone, which is rare. The main sites. We have one restaurant, the Pullman Cafe, it is new. The rest of us have been there for a while. Um, but uh, it's a quite a interesting, quaint a place to, to have a, a meal. It's more like a sandwich shop, not a full-blown sit-down dinner uh, establishment. And, of course, the Hotel Florence, which was the hotel of the town when it was a town. Now it's a part of the community. Uh, that is named after George Pullman's daughter, uh, and it is something to see. And that, too, is still currently under construction, and we hope that by next year that will be available as well. But I stress that right now there are probably four sites within the monument that people can actually go in to visit. But be that as it may, the Pullman National Monument is still open and we are in operation. It's just some some of the buildings, two or three of them are in a work in progress. And the new park superintendent who is uh, in place now, Kathy Snyder, Ranger Kathy Snyder, uh, is there. and She's doing a fabulous job. And so we are all supporting her and can't wait until all of the work is done so that we can take a look-see and see what they actually, what the National Park Service actually came up with. That is our description and update on the Pullman National Monument. We have a great show planned for you today. So let's go to break and come back with our fantastic guests. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you by the Pullman Messenger Magazine and Hughes-Peterson Publishing, partially underwritten by Choo Chicago, the premier tourism marketing agency in Chicago, Illinois. Visit the PullmanBorderMuseum.com where you can purchase an annual membership at the level of your choice. And, of course, visit our website here to find out more about the show live from the Pullman National Monument at bbsradio.com forward slash live from PNM to contact us.
And welcome to another edition of Live from the Pullman National Monument. We are delighted to be with you today. Once again, we thank you, the listening audience, for tuning in, listening to us, sharing a bit of your Sunday with us. Of course, as you know, this show is 100% focused on travel and tourism, and our sole goal is to make sure that we have interesting guests to enlighten and inform you about all manner of things, everything that has to do with tourism. And quite candidly, we like to focus 100% on areas that are of interest to people of color and those who are interested in cultural heritage tourism. That being said, our guest today is Pamela a.k.a. P.J. Thomas, who is the founding editor and publisher of Pathfinders Travel Magazine, a unique publication that speaks to the lifestyles and values of people of color and those who who enjoy heritage cultural tourism. And without further ado, I would just like to say welcome, Pamela, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, and it's great to be here in Chicago. I am sitting right now looking out at the lake, and I absolutely love it. I love being here. I love this city. I love the city's energy, architecture, food, music. <laughs> so <laughs> well, it's I'm good sure to be that, here. Yes, yes. I'm sure that the folks have, at CHU Chicago would love to have heard your comments. I'm sure somebody's listening. <laughs> so, so, so that is wonderful. This, uh, I will say that we are rather informal in our approach. And so it's our only structure and mandate is that we talk about tourism. And so I would think that the best place for us to start, because this is your first time with us, that you would begin by sharing with us a little bit about your history, yourself, your business, and where you're located, and we'll go from there. Very good. I'd love to. Um, Pathfinders Travel Magazine for People of Color, we've been around since 1997, and my husband and I are the publishers, um, and we started the business because we didn't see ourselves reflected on the newsstand. At that particular time, um, you know, even though there was hundreds and hundreds of magazines and certainly dozens and dozens of magazines devoted to travel, we just didn't see a lot about the heritage and cultural aspects as they related to African-American travel. So we decided to start our own, and we did that, and now we have been publishing for 20 years. We're going into our 21st year And we've just been all around the world and have the privilege of visiting places like we have been able to do since we've been in Chicago, like the Pullman Porter Museum. Um, And that will certainly be in an upcoming issue of Pathfinders Travel Magazine. So when we travel to a city uh, like Chicago, of course, we're going to focus on the things that anyone is going to want to do. You know, go to Millennium Park, go to Navy Pier, you know, go to the museums. But we're going to focus specifically on those unique areas and tell our readers about things like the Pullman Porters Museum or the the Bronzeville area or about uh, African-American restaurants or uh, where they can go and hear our, our unique uh, music like blues and also like jazz. So that's what we do. And uh, like I said, we've been doing it now uh, for quite a while. So we publish a print, a print I'm sorry, a print uh, magazine. We're still very old-fashioned. We believe that in spite of the, uh, the way that the media is changing, uh, people still enjoy picking up a magazine and hold it in their hands. But uh, the magazine is also available for those that want to in a digital edition, and they can subscribe online. So it is a subscription-based publication. Well, I am I'm, I'm happy to hear that. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the fact of uh, old-fashioned and the desire to have people to pick up a magazine, have something in their hand. I firmly believe that. I'm still 
I won't say struggling, but I'm still mm, dealing with the digitization of of magazine. I like the idea that I can pick up a magazine and turn the page and look at the beautiful colors and I don't know, it's just something about being able to turn a page yourself without right, the click right. about without the click of a button. So I I'm a fan. You <laughs> I totally right. agree. Um one of the things that I would really I'm I'm just, I was so excited and anxious to have you as our guest today and we're thrilled that you are our guest today but thank you um, you are so very welcome you're so knowledgeable just just a, a, a look through the magazine tells us that you're knowledgeable about the subject area and we just don't have enough people talking to us about subjects that we traditionally have not been formally represented in. And so this this is just a real treat for us to have. Um, I'd like to say that we are, this is, of course is an interview, but I like to think of it as a conversation. And so the conversation is about national and international travel and the various aspects of that area that we are represented or underrepresented or areas that we may have an interest in but have not had information given to us to inform us in a way that we can be informed consumers. And so I'm just delighted that people like you and your husband, uh, uh, Pathfinders Travel Magazine, as in existence, who can fill that void for us, frankly. Well, I tell you, Dr. Hughes, that's our favorite subject. And one thing about travel, people either travel themselves or they just love to travel, sometimes vicariously through others. Um so when we travel, we like to be the eyes and the ears of people that not only want to go to a destination and provide that information, but perhaps to the person that may not ever get on a plane and say, go to Africa or go to Cuba or go to Europe, um, but be able to read about it through a vehicle such as Pathfinder's Travel Magazine. You know, one I, I I can't remember when it, it's been a number of years that I have had the opportunity to travel in that way. But I want to say it's got to be at least ten years that I uh, took my mother. Um, she had dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, and I wanted to take her on a trip someplace that she had never been. My mother was, uh, she she got married very young and had 11 children. And so all of her children were grown. And I saw her disappearing, but I wanted her to experience travel in a way that I know that she had never done. Mm-hmm. And so we went. So where did you go? Where did you go? We, we went to uh, the Bahamas and we went to Bermuda. Uh, oh, we went to. Nice. Yes, yes. And what was just, it was an invaluable experience for me. Because I will never forget that while she, you're, you're familiar with what that disease does to people, they sort of... Yes, I am, unfortunately. They disappear in and out. I never will forget there was one day that she was sitting on the balcony. And she had disappeared. She was gone most of the time, if that makes any sense. And I heard her mm-hmm. having this conversation with herself when she said, it's so beautiful. And it just, mm-hmm. I, I I, couldn't take it. It was a very emotional experience for me. And so I peeked my head out of the balcony and I said, Mama, it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was like she, she'd already gone. But to mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. that she had acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. Briefly. Acknowledge the beauty, right? Yeah, right, yes, right. Yes. Acknowledge the beauty. My grandmother used to call it God's handwriting on the wall. You know, yes, it was just yes. uh, that, you know, so, just that beauty. And I can remember, you know, if I may, I can remember um, going to Costa Rica, 
And I tell you, on this particular trip, for some reason, I became a bit of a scaredy cat. I had had an awful flight coming from Texas to Philadelphia. One of those, uh, it was a dark and stormy night kind of flight when the <laughs> lightning was flashing all around the plane and the plane is, you know, bipping and bobbing through the air and you're, you know, you're praying and, and having a prayer meeting all by yourself, you know, one of those kinds of flights. And I was just so shook up. And I had this opportunity to go to Costa Rica and I wanted to go. I just really wanted to go, but I was, I was afraid. But I knew that if I did not get on that plane, that I perhaps would have that fear, and that fear would just overcome me. But anyway, I got to Costa Rica, went to Costa Rica, and then um, we we got on a, a, a little motor coach, and this motor coach took us out up in the mountains. And the road was so rutted that we were just kind of rocking back and forth that one of the women that was with me actually had to take a Dramamine. She got motion sickness. So we got up there, and it was just beautiful. So I went out on the balcony, and if if anyone can go into my website, they'll see now that I wear my hair natural. But at that time, I was wearing my hair permed, and I was wearing my hair straight, Dr. Hughes. So I'm sitting on the balcony, and I'm writing and just taking in the beauty. (laughs) And my my paper got wet, my, my notebook paper that I was writing on. I said, why is my paper so wet? And I looked around, and it was like I was sitting in heaven. The clouds had rolled in, and we were so high with the altitude that it was absolutely beautiful. And the only thing I could think of was one brief moment I touched my hair and my hair had puffed out. I was looking like James Brown, you know? (laughs) And I said, oh my God, my hair is getting wet. And I said, okay, wait a minute. You're sitting here on heaven's door and you're worrying about your hair getting wet. Just sit down and enjoy the beauty. And it was just absolutely gorgeous. So I know what your mother says. But she said, this is beautiful. Yes, yes. I, 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 again, I, I keep revisiting my thought about anticipating your coming to be with us today. Because I know that there are people who are listening uh, who probably, who may have never had these kinds of experiences. And sometimes when a person has never had an experience, there's always that apprehension. And so to have someone like you as our guest today, to have this kind of dialogue or conversation, it may just spark their interest or to give them, give them just enough courage to go to the phone or to the internet and begin to make those travel arrangements so that they can go to a particular place. And so I'm, I'm hoping that in our conversation today, you can share with our listening audience about different places and experiences to help them visualize what it could be like or would be like to go to some of those places. I would love to. Let's start with one of my favorite places, which is South Carolina, the Sea Islands of South Carolina. Now, in our history, we know that we have not always been kind to one another in terms of our history. And I know uh, at one point, to call someone a Geechee was one of the most demeaning uh, words that you could sling at a person. Now, I know the migratory, migratory path for a lot of people here in Chicago was to come up from the south of perhaps Mississippi, Alabama, uh, perhaps even Georgia to come up that way. But the paths of a lot of people in Philadelphia, they came up from the areas of North Carolina, South Carolina, also Georgia. But in the Sea Islands of South Carolina were the Gullah Geechee people. And the Gullah Geechee people have one of the most distinct cultures, one of the most distinct languages 
and one of the most distinct histories of any people, black or white, in the United States. Uh, the Gullah Geechee people, as well as the Cajun people in Louisiana. Fortunately for us, um, we've become more knowledgeable about the Gullah Geechee people, and they are now celebrated. Like you say, what, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. So they have embraced their culture. They are sharing that culture with the world. And that is one of the places that we go, at least we try to go down there once a year, uh, just, uh, you know, to, to see the culture, to see what's new. There's so many tours. Uh, there's so um, many restaurants now that serve Gullah food. And one of the things that we did is that we took a group from Philadelphia on a motor coach tour. Now, from Philadelphia down to Beaufort County, South Carolina, was about a 13-hour trip. Not for the faint of heart, but we did make stops along the way, and we overnighted along the way. To do something like that with a group, um, because as you know, African Americans love to travel in groups. We love to be with each other, uh, and it actually, frankly, started out because there was safety in numbers. But now uh, there are so many organizations, there's so many uh, church groups, there's so many travel consultants that put together group tours. So for someone that's maybe a little apprehensive or maybe you say, I'm waiting for my girlfriend to go, and then you, you know, come, uh, come, uh, April comes around and your girlfriend said, oh, wow, I had to use that travel uh, money for an emergency that came up. And you really don't want to travel by yourself. Look around and find a group. Find a group. There. I guarantee there is a group going someplace interesting that you would want to go. If it uh, is not as far as the Gullah Sea Islands, it's maybe there's a play that's on Broadway. For example, Denzel Washington is on Broadway right now uh, in a production called The Iceman Cometh. So find a group to go with. And then there's that what I call the the, the one-day uh, pocketbook tours. You don't have to pack any suitcase. So all you got to do is grab your purse, grab your wallet, you know, get on the motor coach, and just get out and see the world, you know, see things. I think that people who travel are more kind, they're more knowledgeable, they're more patient. And I, I think that's sometimes what's needed for people just to get out and travel. Um, and I encourage people, really, because I cannot say enough about the Gullah Geechee culture, if you have not gone, to put that on your list, to go down there and learn about that culture. Dr. Hughes, they said um, that it's been estimated that 60% of the people in the United States of African descent came in through the Port of Charleston in South Carolina. So if nothing else, if you're into genealogy, go down there and trace your roots. And I guarantee that uh, one of your ancestors probably came in through the Port of South Carolina. And go to Sullivan Island where people want to say that it's uh, the the Ellis Island for African-Americans, and I, I don't like that. I don't like that terminology. It was not Ellis Island because we came over by force, but it was where uh, a lot of us arrived and were quarantined before we were brought into the shores of South Carolina to help to make that colony, colony one of the richest in the United States. I'm wondering if you would um, indulge us a bit. Can you talk a little bit about the Gullah Geechee culture and the food and that? Just spend a few minutes talking about that. Well, there is um, one of our favorite people that we, when we go down, that we always visit with <coughs> is called Aunt Pearly Sue. In fact, um, if, if you don't mind, can can I can I put uh, my partner and my husband on for just a minute? He's going Absolutely. to tell you about the Gullah Geechee people because they've actually got a special that's going to be airing on Sunday evening. Oh my! Hello, yes, Dr. absolutely. Hello there. Hello there. And how are you? And welcome. I'm great. I'm in, in my second most favorite city. <laughs> I'm partial to Philadelphia, but we love Chicago. <laughs> yes. Well, um, PJ told me uh, you're talking about the Gullah people. Um, on Sunday evening on CNN, there will be a uh, 
special program, and I forget the, uh, the host name, but they're doing a special on the Gullah Geechee culture of Beaufort, South Carolina, and I believe they also covered Charleston, but uh, it's probably going to be 9 p.m. Central, but I know it's 10 p.m. Eastern Time, but it's just a wonderful um, um, a story. Uh, the people there in Beaufort, particularly in Beaufort, in the Hilton Head area, these enslaved people were pretty much insulated from uh, the traditional uh, norms of slavery. They did not have white overseers. Uh, the area in uh, of Beaufort and in, in, uh, Hilton Head, you had a lot of marshland, hence a lot of mosquitoes. And a lot of whites could not survive that. So um, they pretty much were left to themselves. They grew rice. And even up until the late 50s of the, uh, of the last century, they actually lived pretty much self-sufficient. Uh, they fished, they farmed, they hunted. And the only time they actually used currency was when they had to pay taxes on their land. So a lot of the fishermen would sail, and, and not just the fishermen, but the seamen would sail over to Savannah and they would sell their goods to get cash, and then they would pay the taxes on their land. So, you know, after the invention of air conditioning, a lot of the whites began to come back, and hence now what you have down there is a situation where a lot of these hotel resorts had built these massive um, plantations, these hotel resorts, and a lot of the local folks, they're being priced out of their own property. So um, I'm happy to announce, though, that in... Um, August, the Beaufort County Black Chamber of Commerce, which is the only uh, nonprofit black chamber, has just finished a $2 million headquarters. And I was just uh, informed yesterday that I will be the keynote speaker at their um, at the uh, grand opening. And, and primarily because we're going to be talking about travel and tourism um, and the economic impact that it can have on a community. And I just encourage everyone, um, whether you're black, white, or whatever, to go there and learn about this um, indigenous culture, uh, the, the Geechee language, which years ago was uh, considered to be derogatory. Um, it is an official language, and they actually can trace their heritage, their roots back to Sierra Leone and Liberia. As a matter of fact, the first uh, president from the United States of Liberia came from the Beaufort, South Carolina area. So we have, we have a very rich history there. Uh, the story of Robert Smalls, who um, basically uh, kidnapped or commandeered, if you will, one of the uh, Confederate ironclad ships and turned it over to the U Union Army, and then later became a general in the Union Army and led troops in South Carolina, and then after the war became a U.S. congressman. So, um, you know, we have so much history and, and so much that we owe the people down in that area. I am just um, overwhelmed um, with this content that we're discussing today because it's not, it is not something that is customarily discussed. And in fact, uh, it's probably, for me, more embarrassing than anything that we, when I say we, I mean people of color, um, mm -hmm. choose, make the, has made the conscious decision not to have these kinds of discussions. Ergo, the reason for the creation of this show, because yeah. this show for me is very important. When I say uh, the show is about about arts, history, music, business, and people. It yeah. is about yeah. cultural economic development, and that's Absolutely. what we're talking about. Yes, and, and so Hughes, I, I'm sorry, I got to give kudos to you because that young gentleman, David, that you have, I, we're just so happy to see that you are now uh, have someone who will be able to carry on uh, the next generation who can help take all of our institutions to the next level. Uh, and, and, oh, forgive me, but PJ just mentioned not to forget about Cuba. <laughs> also, uh, we, we, have, we, we have fallen in love with Cuba. Uh, we've been traveling there since 1999, and 
so often, just like here, their story has not been told. Uh, the Africans, our cousins who were dropped off on the island of Cuba, they have a very rich uh, history and culture as well that, um, you know, is not being told. So I encourage people to go to Cuba, uh, learn about your the Afro-Cuban history, uh, which we actually now have the Afro-Cuban tour that Pathfinder puts together when people want to go. We provide... Uh, we can put the package together. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're actually doing a cruise there in September. But just like you said, we have to take ownership of our history, our culture, uh, be able to, uh, you know, use the skill sets that we have from a lot of the young people that are coming out of college. Uh, kudos to you. I understand you have a doctorate in cultural um policy, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so I, yes. I didn't even know a degree like that existed. So, you know, we, we fell in love with your museum years ago, and, you know, you didn't have anybody hand you millions of dollars, but you did it because of your passion. Yes, yeah. yes. You know, what's interesting is is that we, we really don't, when I say we, people of color, we really don't know the different tentacles that we have. My father happened to be Cuban and African-American. I have never been to Cuba. I just know that that's what he was. And and he shared that with us when we were little kids. I mean, five, six, four, five, and six years old. And it wasn't until after I started, I founded the museum and after I began to delve into this cultural economic development, for the lack of a better term, or the rationale was because I saw everyone else but us benefiting from our history, heritage, and culture. And that is not to say that there's any resentment, if you will. It is just that we have allowed that to happen. And so, so there's under the broader umbrella of tourism, there are millions and millions and billions of dollars under the umbrella of tourism that we have no clue. The average, frankly, the average person, it doesn't have to be African-American or people of color, have no clue about the monetary benefit that, that exists under the banner of tourism. And so again, that's what this show is about. We like to highlight and feature people who can talk to the listening audience, enlighten and inform the listening audience about the kinds of uh, opportunities that exist, where they are, what kinds of businesses that there are, the kinds of businesses and services that we can uh, pay uh, patronize that are that exist under that umbrella. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, Dr. Hughes. And, and now that you told me that you are of Cuban heritage, we're going to change that. We're going to get you. Maybe you'll come and uh, travel and visit Cuba with us. And let I'd you come love to do and, that. And I would love to do that. Food. I know. I, I, who knows? I'm not sure that I would ever find any of my people there. But I would love to. I would love to. There's a longing there. There's like a missing piece. But, you know, I I just keep... You would be surprised. You would be surprised. Now, i got to ask you, do you speak any Spanish? (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Okay, don't worry. We we have translators, so we can work on that. (laughs) But you're absolutely right, though. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just so disappointed because after President Obama had really loosened up some of the restrictions. And here comes number 45, which just puts so much confusion out there. I mean, I was just talking to people yesterday. He said, oh, I didn't know we could still go to Cuba. And I said, that's not true. I said, what has happened? I said, it's the same policy that's been existing for the last 30, 40 years. You have to go down uh, as part of a cultural group. It has to be an uh, approved itinerary. And the, the U.S. government, uh, you can go to the, uh, what is it, the OFAC, uh, Office of Foreign Assets Control.gov, and it clearly lists and, and stipulates what you are allowed to see and do. And that's not even strictly enforced, but that's just to get you into the country 
when I, I took a young baseball group, uh, African-American baseball group, to Cuba last summer to play some Cuban players, and we went under under a specific license to play baseball, but we still were able to, uh, uh, you know, enjoy the South or go to some of the different clubs. Uh, there's people that have gone with us who have actually gone to the golf resorts and played golf because they want to be able to brag and say we played golf in Cuba. So there's so much misinformation, and, and that gets back to what you were saying earlier about the resources available for cultural uh, uh, development under the umbrella of tourism. Uh, we have national, the, the U.S. Uh, Travel and Trade Association is spending billions of dollars to get uh, tourists to come here. And, and I must tell you, Dr. Hughes, we need to start thinking outside of the country. If we could develop, for example, a trade mission to go to Europe and, and expose people to the culture that we um, bring to the table because people are fascinated with African-American history. That to them, it's like, oh, my God, you know, here's the people that were brutalized, but who have rose up, um, you know, from the ashes, and now we're creating institutions. But we must take ownership of our history and our culture. We have nothing to be ashamed of. I will share with you, um, excuse me, for I'm, I'm just so excited about this conversation. No problem. No problem. I will say to you that in the last, I want to say two, last two, maybe three years, mm-hmm. we have had an increase in international tourist visitors at the museum, at the A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum. And I was just trying to figure out why they were interested. And so we have people from Asia. Uh We have people from Europe. We have people from the Netherlands. And I'm, I'm just, it is really a bit overwhelming that, this kind of traffic comes. And we've even had, last year, we've even had a couple of groups who came 30 or 40 at a time who did Mm -hmm. not speak English. And they came Mm -hmm. with an interpreter. And David, you mentioned, uh, he, you know, he's that millennial group. It's, it's, he's developed a practice that when they come, the famous iPhone, I mean, it's a, it's a genie in a bottle that yes, he has. That he has he has um, created a policy that he will do a, a short video. And one of the things that happened, I'm not there a lot anymore, but but I am frequently. And so one of the things that happened when we had a, a group from London, and I. You know, I'm often asked, you know, to share with visitors how the museum started and that kind of thing and and why I'm so passionate about sharing the history of the Pullman Porters with people. And one of the things that happened was it was a very emotional experience that the people who came from London, of course, you've been to the museum and you, you know that it, it's a small museum, and so it, it's not the kind of environment where you cannot overhear conversations. Mm-hmm. And so there was this group who were from Europe, and they were talking, and one of the people, the visitors, who I don't know if they appointed him as the, the spokesperson or whether he self-appointed, but he came to me and, and was vehemently apologetic, saying, that I am so sorry and so sorry. And I look in his eyes and they're teary, they're watery. And so mm-hmm. I thought, well, what happened? Did something happen that I did, that I missed? And so when I said, well, well, what happened? And his response was that I'm so sorry. We had no idea about the experience that, that African-Americans 
had in this country. We only go by what we see on the news and the information that we get from the news. And so coming to this museum has opened our eyes to so much more than we ever dreamt. And I just want to say on behalf of my people that I am so sorry. I That blew me away. Yes. But, but Dr. Stewart, I, I, um, Hughes, I'm sorry, Dr. Hughes, my mind was just rambling. I was just thinking as you were saying that, not only has it will it impact the Europeans and other ethnic groups, it impacts us. As I was back there today having, I think the first time we met you was during the um, African-American Museum Conference when it was here in Chicago, oh, I guess back in 2008, and I learned so much more today because I had more time to sit and reflect and see the films that you put together. But, you know, the the, the whole um, concept or construct, if you will, of the Pullman porters being really, they laid the groundwork for the civil rights movement. Um, you know, I've seen the movie about 10,000 men named George, but what you have in that museum goes even, I think, even deeper. It talks about the man and how he was such an organizer and, and able to, uh, you know, just lead and, and be able to um, challenge our men to say, hey, you know, you can't just think about doing this. You have to do this. And what you're doing with that museum, you have to do and continue to do what you've done and continue to press on because it is our responsibility as a people to embrace and and, and cherish our history and our legacy. So I, I just want to say kudos to you. Um, you know, I wish you were here. I'd give you a big hug. <laughs> I know we're doing this interview over the phone, but, you know, just keep up the work and, um, you know, we're going to continue to reach out to your museum. Um, now we already told you, uh, David, that we're, we're going to uh, uh, have an ad for you in, in our publication coming um, down uh, this summer. So we just want to encourage you to, to keep reaching out, uh, embracing the, the culture, as well as the other resources that are out there for you. Yeah, it's, it's the America Reveal section. We actually started doing a section in our anniversary issue called a year in black America. And then, you know, we finally realized and recognized that this isn't just black American history. This is American history. So we now Absolutely. call it America, America reveal. We're revealing the, the, the other history that has not been told. And, and you have done such an excellent job of doing that at the museum. Thank you so very much. That means a great deal to me no, coming you. from people thank like you. you. Thank you so very much. I want you guys to talk more about some of the places that you think that we would be interested in and or that you want people to be interested in. I will say to you that this this program is a, a global cast, internet, global cast uh, radio program. And so it's not just Chicago. It is an international program. And so when you're feeding information to the listening audience. We don't know who you're reaching. I mean, uh, I'm yeah. told that the show reaches 120 countries. And so... Oh, this is awesome. I, I'm, so, I am thank, uh, thankful again for the opportunity. Well, since you mentioned that, here's a place I think a lot of us should go. Of course, I've been to Egypt. But uh, as of January, I was so fortunate to have the opportunity to spend two weeks and what I call the land of origins, Ethiopia. And it, it was just mind-blowing to be able to walk the grounds of the palace of Queen of Sheba, uh, to be able to go into the palace uh, of Haile Selassie, to go to some of the ancient capitals where uh, they still have the, the uh, lion's dens, and you can actually see the architecture some of the uh, Coptic Christian churches that were hewn from rock that are as large as any edifice that you have to walk underground to get into and, and see the, the, the carvings of the Twelve Apostles. And, you know, without question, these were African people. Uh, Christianity started in Egypt. So I think with so many of us being of uh, the Christian persuasion, we need to go back to the root 
and be able to go. And, and these aren't just museums. These churches that exist, they still have people worshiping there. They still have the monks there. And for those who are not aware, the um, it is alleged that the Ark of the Covenant is held in Ethiopia, in the city of Lalibela. And mm-hmm. I was actually there, did not get to see the Ark of the Covenant, but they're going to be moving it to another church. And I've already told tourism, when you guys move it, I want to be there in, in the flesh. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, Ethiopia is a, uh, it's a very unique uh, place that is so important to our people, as well as a lot of the uh, African countries. You know, uh, we love South Africa as well. But, but, um, wow, that's yeah, very, sorry. very, very interesting. No, I, one thing I want to be sure to for you to do is to, before we run out of time, I want to be sure that we give the listening audience your website and anything that you have uh, that may be coming up that you want the listening audience to know about, to be able to take advantage of. Now is the time yeah. to share that information. Well, I, I thank you for the opportunity. Our website is www.pathfinderstravel.com. That's Pathfinders with an S, travel.com. Um, and from there, you, you know, for those who are interested in subscribing, you will find on that website our subscription page, whether you want to do print uh, or if you want to just do digital. But um, that website at pathfinderstravel.com will allow you to find out a little bit more about who we are, what we do. Um, <clears throat> there's also, um, you can register for our electronic newsletter. So our readership, we actually do a monthly newsletter. And we kind of keep people up to date because we are quarterly. We come out in the months of January, April, July, and October. So, um you know, it's, it's an opportunity for those who, we're not a history magazine, but we do believe in highlighting uh, what's offered from the uh, quote-unquote African-American community in, in terms of travel. I mean, we cover the uh, black-owned bed and breakfast inns. We talk about some of the black-owned resorts uh, and, and just tie you in into this, this global world of travel. So, um, yeah, I, I do thank you again for the opportunity. Now, I'm, I'm going to allow PJ to come back. She's got a few more things to uh, to say. But thank you so much. Welcome. Okay. Thank you. Well, you got a, you got an earful there. He's just so, he's, <laughs> I don't know who, who's more passionate about yeah. travel and tourism, me or, me, or, <laughs> me or Waller. But I just wanted to, to be able to say thank you again for the opportunity. Uh, and I would be remiss if I did not invite your listeners to come to Philadelphia, as uh, we say, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, and come and check us out. Well, is there some something in particular there that you would like to talk about while we have a few minutes? Oh, in Philadelphia? Yes. Well, um, like I said, if you come to Philadelphia, of course, you know, I'm going to want to show you everything as it relates to to the city that a nor- that a uh, ordinary tourist or the normal tour- tourist would want to see, you'd want to go see Independence Hall, you know, where the Declaration of Independence was signed. You'd want to go see the Liberty Bell. But in doing that, we would also want to talk to you about the aspects of African American history, like right in front of where the Liberty Bell sits was the home of George Washington. And George Washington, as many of your listeners, I'm sure, know, was a slave owner. Now, George Washington brought a few of his enslaved people back and forth, uh, Hercules, and right now there is a book out on Oni Judge called Never Captured. And he would bring them back and forth, Dr. Hughes, and he would... Uh, keep them in the city of Philadelphia just long enough so that they could not get their freedom because uh, I'm not exactly sure what the time limit was, but, you know, if you stayed in Philadelphia, which was a free state, uh, and, uh, a free city, uh, for so long they would become free. So what he would do is he would take them back and forth from Philadelphia to Virginia so that they would remain enslaved. And one of them 
named Oni Judge ran away, and she was never captured, even though George Washington really tried to look for her um, for his entire life after she left. And his wife, Martha Washington, just could not believe that she would leave the family because they treated her so well. They let her sleep at the foot of the bed of her granddaughter, so why in the world would she want to escape? You know? <laughs> so so I, would, I would show you and tell you those kinds of stories, and I would take you to places like um, some of our blues clubs. I would take you to, like, Warm Daddy's and show you a meal. I would take you to Delaware Avenue and show you uh, where the Native Americans uh, gave some of the land to the first Europeans that came over and talk about that Native American history. So I would show you the Philadelphia from the cultural side as it relates to African Americans, as well as the general history of Philadelphia as it relates to the uh, founding of the country and uh, Philadelphia and Pennsylvania being the capital of the, the nation at one point and certainly one of the important 13 colonies. Well, PJ, I, I can't thank you enough for your folks, you and your husband, coming uh, on the show today to be our guest and to enlighten and inform our listening audience. And I truly hope that this will not be your last visit with us. And, thank and you. Before Anytime. You are more than welcome. And I want to say that the web address for... Uh, Pathfinders is www.pathfinders with an S travel.com is their website. It is a gorgeous uh, magazine, very well done, informative. You. you are more than welcome. And I just invite you, the listening audience, to, to go to that website. Look at the uh, printed, I mean, the digital version. If you there, while you're there, you can subscribe to the printed version. You can also, while you're there, find out more about this subject matter that is important to us all. It's not just African American history. It is American history, and it's about travel and tourism that are opportunities and sites that are all over this world that we all can benefit from by visiting will make us not just better informed people. It will make us better informed citizens of this world. Right. Absolutely. 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 Well, again, thank you for the, uh, the pleasure and I look forward to seeing you and either here in Chicago or in Philadelphia. So God well, bless you. You are most goodbye. welcome. Thank you. And everybody, I want to say that this show was brought to you today by the Pullman Messenger Magazine and Hughes-Peterson Publishing. And I invite you to join me in thanking PJ, Pamela PJ Thomas, and Pathfinders Magazine for being our guest today. And we'll see you next time on Live from the Pullman National Monument. Everybody, thank you for sharing with us another informative show on the ever-expanding topic of tourism. Thank you to the listening audience for spending part of your Sunday with us. And a very special thank you to the Pullman Messenger Magazine, United Auto Workers Local 551, and Choose Chicago. Thank you to our fantastic engineer, Mr. Don Newsom, smooth jazz artist Jonathan Fritzen for allowing us to use his music on our show every week. And last but not least, you, the listening audience, because without you, there would be no show. And we'll see you next time on Live from the Pullman National Monument. Live from Pullman National Monument was brought to you by Hughes Peterson Publishing in Chicago, Illinois. 
hosted by Dr. Lynn Hughes.